Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Learn more at nm.org slash better. Brian goes, is it okay if I use this as a music bump? And I was like, absolutely, because I think you really do have to listen to your body and listen to your heart. And in that situation, that's what led to the positive outcome for my for my husband. Dr. Micah Eichner is on the phone and Imer. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Dr. Imer. I looked at it too quickly. Um, we've spoke before. You're a cardiologist at Northwestern. I would have never imagined that I'd be talking to you about a personal story, but it's my hope that if somebody else is in the same situation, maybe something they learned from our conversation might help them save a loved one. So thank you yeah, for joining us. My pleasure, and, and I'm glad everything's worked out, and I look forward for the opportunity to help educate people and, like you said, maybe alert somebody to a problem they didn't know they had. Yeah, and that's just it. He's healthy. He's a farmer. He eats well. Um, heart disease did strike his dad, um, but, you know, you kind of think you're too young, like, oh, that's not going to happen to me. It didn't hit my dad till his late 70s, so... Uh, it would have been a week ago Tuesday morning he woke me up and said he had chest pains. Like, out of the blue. He's never said that before. We rushed to the hospital. They did the EKG, and I believe they test for blood proteins and enzymes. Those were all fine. So they did it again two hours. Fine. They did it again two hours later, sent us home saying, make an appointment with the cardiologist. That Thursday, I'm getting ready to go on the radio at 1243, and I stayed home working from my home studio those days because the pressure didn't leave his chest. And he couldn't, he couldn't tell me, Doc. Like he, he's like, I, I can't describe it. It's, it's not pain. I, I just don't know what it is. And so we were waiting for the cardiology appointment, which was more than a week away. And he knocked on my studio door and said, hey, I need you. And I opened the door, and he was sweating bullets. And he said something changed, and we rushed to the hospital. And the minute we walked in, within 90 seconds, his EKG showed that he was an AFib. Um, I didn't know at the time, but his his blood test showed there was an issue. It then got chaotic, where it was a chest X-ray, and then they thought it was an aortic dissection. Which I googled, Doc. I googled that. <laughs> that's not good, right? <laughs> no, no, that's a bad one too, right? Yeah, yeah. So that it says certain death. They bring him back from the CAT scan. Uh, the doctor, the cardiologist, thank God, Dr. Stephen Krauss was on duty. And uh, this was at Blessing Hospital. And he said, something's wrong. I can't see what it is, but I'm going into his heart right now. And they found that he had a 100% blockage in his left circumflex. Yeah, that's uh, what I was going to predict, actually. That's the one artery that just is difficult for us to pick up, uh, both on EKGs, on stress testing. It's notoriously uh, difficult in these situations, so I'm, I'm not surprised. But it's not an uncommon story, you know. People uh, and, and by the way, I think going to the ER when you have chest pain makes sense. What they do in the ER is they say, all right, let's make sure this patient's not having a heart attack right in front of us. Right. And it sounds like that's what they did. And he wasn't at the time. Um, of course, in retrospect, that doesn't mean he didn't have something going on, but it just meant that he wasn't in the midst of a heart attack and he needed more testing, you know. And, and what I is think, the criteria to go, like if you say, but I have this pressure, what's the criteria that actually gets you in for an angiogram if it's not showing up on an EKG or it's not showing up in a blood test? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of the clinical suspicion of the physician, right? You're looking at a patient going, I don't know, I just have a feeling that there's something not right with this patient's heart. And, you know, honestly, the blood work is usually pretty telling in these situations, but it doesn't doesn't come back immediately. There's some delay between when the symptoms start and when the blood blood uh, test becomes abnormal. Um, so, you know, we, we rely on those things, but at the end of the day, a lot of these decisions are clinical and, and, uh, sounds like you had the right person at the right time and, uh, just had a feeling that something wasn't right and, and was right on. Yeah. So when they did get him in the cath lab, you know, I was sitting there with him in the ER room and I watched his pulse go down to 30, 31, 29, 30. His blood pressure had dropped to 72 over 42. So as a cardiologist at that point, you know something's happening, right? Yeah, right. I mean, it looks like the clinical, the clinical scenario was, was, was making um, apparent that, that something was going on, that, that we did, didn't have all the answers. Um, and I think at that point, doing something like an angiogram, which is a definitive test, uh, for for blockages in the arteries just just makes sense. I could not be more thankful or grateful that he made it in time and that people like you can calmly and very quickly take care of these issues. To think that you can take a, I don't know, do you call it a wire or whatever, go into his heart while he's awake and tell him he's got a 100% blockage put two stents in, and then I catch him as he's coming out of the cath lab, and he looks at me and goes, I feel so much better. <laughs> I'm so thankful yeah. you're alive. <laughs> it is it is amazing, and, and uh, you know, and I, I'm not an interventional cardiologist. I do general cardiology, and I have the utmost respect for my colleagues that can do that at 3 o'clock in the morning, by the way, uh, sometimes. Um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing feat, and uh, I think patients have almost lost track of how amazing it is. I, I had a patient one time, uh, not that different from what you described, but got very got sicker, actually had a cardiac arrest, and was resuscitated after the angiogram. And I came to speak to him after, and he said, um, can I go home now? And I said, home now? What, an hour ago you were dead. What are you talking about? And I think the technology's gotten so good and, and, the, and the, the medical care's gotten so good that patients sometimes forget how sick they can be. Right, right. Dr. Micah Eimer is with us, a cardiologist at Northwestern Medicine. So for anyone listening, is it safe to say you really should trust your body because you know it better than anyone? And how firm can you be when you're saying, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of good, go home, make an appointment. What should you say if you know that's just not right? Well, that, that's a that's a tricky business. And uh, the first thing I, I just want to reassure people, a lot of people think, oh, I don't want to feel stupid. I don't want to go to the ER and waste their time. Um, I would say most people that come in with chest pain do not have a heart attack. And so we're very well accustomed to, to seeing chest pain that's not a heart attack. We'd much rather see 100 of those people and reassure them and send them home and rather than miss one that actually is having a heart attack. But that, that interval between you leave the emergency room with, with a, you know, I don't want to say a clean bill of health because it's not. It's right. just saying you're not having a heart attack right now, but you need more testing. Um, that's a problem. And, and I can tell you that our, our medical system is stretched very, very, very thin at this point uh, in getting patients in in a timely manner. Um, but but it's, it's critical. I mean, it, it's really important. And I think we're doing the best we can with, with what we have. Absolutely. All right. If you could hang on with us, we're going to get a check on weather and traffic. I want to ask about 
prevention other than just diet and exercise, whether you should get a heart scan. But first, Mary's got a check, and we come back with Dr. Micah Eimer. 720 WGN. We're getting a jump on Heart Month. The American Heart Association published some numbers yesterday, or maybe it was based on their numbers. Dr. Micah Eimer is with us, cardiologist at Northwestern. They said that the numbers are 928,000 people died from cardiovascular disease in 2020. Is that about right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the statistics that they report, and, and that's uh, unfortunately an increase. We're, we're used to seeing sort of steady or flat uh, uh, numbers of cardiovascular death in this country, and this is sort of alarming uh, to hear. Gosh, okay, so a schoolmate reached out to me today knowing I was going to talk about this. He's healthy. He eats well. He's thin. Went for a regular checkup. For some reason, they did an EKG. It was bad. He ended up having a quadru- quadruple bypass is should an EKG be a part of your yearly physical after a certain age? Um, I, I mean, I would say no. I, I'd say the symptoms have to drive the testing for the most part. But I, I'll tell you, you know, certain things we're really good at these days, which, you know, putting in stents and that sort of once we know there's a problem, one thing we're still terrible at is predicting problems and predicting who who's going to have a heart attack and 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 who's uh, who we need to do something for, and it turns out EKG is just not sensitive or specific enough to do that. Um, but we do have tools like you mentioned the um, coronary calcium score, which I think are extremely valuable for people that uh, that don't have symptoms and are trying to get a handle on what their heart attack risk is. And how do you how do you get one of those? What is it, and where do you go? So basically, it's a very simple test. It's a CAT scan of the heart, which uh, I've done myself three times. Uh, it, it takes seconds, uh, very little risk to it. There's no dye. And what it does is it picks up calcium that accumulates in the arteries around the heart. And so atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries is plaque and calcium. And so if we see calcium in those arteries, then we know for a fact that this patient has coronary artery disease. Um, Once we know that, then we can take steps to prevent the patient having a heart attack or or having other issues, um, which may or may not include doing a stress test or whatever, but at least we can get them started on medication to reduce their risk of having a heart attack. So that's something you should discuss with your doctor if you have a family history or you've had issues. Yeah, I, 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 I've been finding more and more. I, I, I mean, yes, I, I like it a lot. I mean, there's, there's honestly a rare patient that, that it wouldn't help. Um, if you're already at high risk, meaning you already have heart disease or if you have diabetes or if you have a had stroke, let's say, then you're already high risk by definition. That test is not going to add much. But if you're, you know, like, for example, your husband, without knowing the whole story, that might have been something that could have helped him uh, prevent a heart attack in the first place. And tell me what that title is again of that test. It's a, it's called a coronary calcium score. And they're pretty much available everywhere these days. Um, uh, I'm not even sure that you need an order necessarily. I think some places you can just go on the website and, and ask for one. But I would definitely encourage people to talk to their doctor about it, um, whether it would be useful for them to do, and then, of course, how to interpret the results. Okay, you've only got uh, a minute left, Dr. Eimer. Two questions coming through on the text line. One is, what is the frequency of getting a stroke after having stents in- installed? Um, I mean, I 
very low related to the procedure itself. So, I mean, when you're, when you're putting the stents in, you're working in the area of the blood vessels that also supply the brain. So it is, it is a risk. It's very uncommon, thankfully. I think the bigger issue is just the same disease. So if you have blockages in your heart arteries that cause problems, you're likely to also have them in your brain arteries that cause problems. So the risk is there um, by two different mechanisms. And it only took about a minute for a family member in Wisconsin to call and a friend who was concerned and text messages coming in thinking somehow this is related to vaccines, specifically the COVID vaccine. You want to make a comment on that? Yeah, I just I just don't think it is. Um, we haven't seen any convincing evidence uh, to support that. Uh, so I, I just don't think it is. I think the data that, that reflect the increase in cardiovascular deaths in the COVID times, I think more likely reflect COVID and the effect that we know that had on the heart, um, not to mention care that was delayed or postponed because of COVID, not to mention the emotional toll people have had uh, from COVID. So I, I think it's more of a, a COVID virus effect rather than a vaccine effect. Thank you so much for your expertise and for what you do every day. My pleasure. Dr. Micah Eimer, cardiologist at Northwestern Medicine Lake Forest Hospital.